0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. How can you win business from competitors who are bigger, more established, and better funded than you are? The Atlanta Dream, the city's only female professional sports team, is doing exactly that. And our guests today, Teresa Wenzel, president of The Atlanta Dream, and one of our colleagues, Keely Eveland, director and founder of Burnt Orange Ballers, are our guests. And I'm delighted to have you ladies on the show. Thank you so much for having us. I'm looking See, forward to being here. Yeah. So you can find out more about them and The Atlanta Dream on the show's website, CEOExclusiveradio.com. So, Teresa. What is the competitive landscape for you in Atlanta? And, and where are you thinking that your growth opportunities are going to come from? Sure. So
1: the, the competitive landscape, I think, is every other pro sport that's here and every other college sport that's here. Um, the difference for us is that up until this year, we've been the only pro team that's playing in the summer with the exception of the Braves, right? And so from a female standpoint is that that's an offering that really doesn't exist. There's only 12 other communities that it does. There's 12 teams in the WNBA. And so for us, we have the the components of our our league, which are the other 11 teams. And then for the city of Atlanta, it's the Braves and then Atlanta United that's coming next year.
0: Hmm. And how do you think about developing a competitive advantage? So I am a strategist by trade. I you know work with companies to help them develop strategy. And one of the things that they often struggle with is developing some sort of competitive advantage or getting a foothold against competition. So obviously, you're in a very crowded space. You're competing for people not only like in some cases against other sports teams but for people's discretionary income right so you're competing with movies and all the all the other things that people may do how, how do you think about developing competitive advantage
1: Right. So for us in, in Atlanta, I mean, our goal is to entertain and inspire through the sport of basketball, right? And so we have four pillars to our organization, which include diversity and inclusion, education, health and wellness, and inspiring women. Our goal is to trigger people to want to come to the dream because we're bigger than basketball. Basketball is the excitement that draws the families into it. And so we're looking at demographics that are family-oriented, we're looking at millennials, and then we're also looking at LGBT. And so we're looking kind of a big span with that and really seeing what a great value it is, because actually you can get a ticket to an Atlanta Dream Team or Atlanta Dream Game for about the same amount. You can go to a movie. Mm. You know, the difference is you can actually sit for two hours and enjoy it and engage and get excited. And we can have a lot of fun doing that. So we're trying to show the value of the product, not only for families and for kids, but for millennials that maybe don't necessarily know how to network and that's not a comfort
0: for them, but they can do that in a competitive environment, seeing the Atlanta dream. Mm -hmm. And as you think about that target demographic, walk us through some of the mechanics of how you think through the niche and then how it's going to help you drive increased ticket sales.
1: Sure. And so part of what we're doing in the off season, um, and I think that this has been the biggest transition for me from college to pro, is that college, you have generally 17 teams at least, right? And so you're relevant 11 months out of the year. We're being more relevant in the off time. And so like last week, we did a multi-generational breakfast. And because of our reach and because of the reach of what a pro and and even sports do for women in athletics, is we're showing the value of the product outside of just the general playing season. Um, And then and with us, we're tying that back to the business aspect of it. So for us is that you know, the millennials and those that are in the business space, we're giving offerings outside of it because women that have played sports, what they go on to achieve outside of that sport realm is impressive, right? The data shows it. And so whether it's reduction in teen pregnancy, whether it's graduation from high school and college to the majority of women that's owned C-suites have played sports. And so they know the value of that. Then we're also taking that diversity and inclusion side and saying, okay, how can our players that have this massive marketing platform, how can they impact the greater society through their messaging and teach younger kids how to be better community servicers? And so for us, it's, it's kind of a multi-level approach um, because it's not just about basketball. Sports for women is never just about the sport. And so it's bigger than that. And what we're trying to do is not only use our coach Michael Cooper, who played for the L.A. Lakers, but also our players that have a, com- a tremendous economic impact, but also to say, okay, most of the WNBA players have graduated from college, right? There's You have to either have graduated from college, you had to either exhaust eligibility or be of a certain age in order to play in the WNBA, So they know that their their window, they're great athletes, but then they're going on to something else. And so we're using them as marketers to that something else. And then there's also 20 million WNBA fans out there. And for us is to understand that a WNBA fan is 50% more likely to consume whatever the sponsor is more than any other sport team.
0: Hmm. Healy, I, I know that you're very much passionate about this mission. So tell us a little bit about burnt orange ballers and how you work with the Atlanta the Atlanta Dream and, and Teresa.
2: Well, it actually started this summer when Teresa connected me with a recreation center, a community center here in Atlanta. I started going in and working with the youth, doing summertime, teaching them how to play volleyball because a lot of time it's a volleyball nonprofit. You train underprivileged kids that don't have access because volleyball has become a rich kid sport. And if you talk to Teresa, like listening to her talk, she will tell you it's just more, even more than basketball. So she's expanded into the world of volleyball to help the community and understanding the value of sports behind the education of girls, of females as they grow and develop. So my nonprofit is to train underprivileged kids in the game of volleyball, how to how to do technique, but not only that, how to create teamwork, how to build your character And we work a lot with um, recreation centers here in Atlanta, community centers, and then we'll branch out eventually to a volleyball travel club team training athletes that don't have access to high-level training or can't afford it because it's become, quote-unquote, a rich kid's sport, volleyball has. So just giving that access. But working with Teresa at Georgia Tech, she just has a vision, vision to grow and with her with the Atlanta Dream. Vision to grow and expand the community, and it's more than basketball. And you'll hear her say that over and over. It's more than just basketball. The Atlanta Dream team do a great job playing a beautiful game of basketball, but the reach has expanded, and that's what we do in the community
0: now with volleyball. Hmm. And and so I hate to be a bit hard nosed, but you know we're our target demographic are the people that listen to our show are CEOs, right? They're sure. CEOs of middle market companies, and. For me, I'm listening to, you know, this is a good marketing, you know, marketing play. You mentioned the price differential, but are there any other aspects of the, of your competitive advantage that you think are really compelling that are actually driving, driving sales.
1: Sure. And so for us, as as we look at the platform and, and what supports the drive, right, is that we are also transitioning from Phillips Arena to Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. And from a marketing standpoint, it's the broad reach of the venue that comes in. So we have three different platforms that we actually sell to a business, a middle business person. And when we look at it from a corporate, we have three revenue sources. We have the WNBA funds, we have ticket sales, and then we have corporate partners, For our corporate partners, which is a high focus for us in the off-season, is a sense of we want to not only sell our 17 games and in-venue, we also look at our digital space and we look at what we do in the community. And so for each of our players, there's 12 players on a team, and they're each responsible for doing 10 community appearances. So. Anybody that's a corporate partner then has an opportunity not only to have the in-venue, the 17, and the digital space that continues to grow exponentially, um, but then they also have the community appearances that, that our players do, but also that we do, whether it's through a multi-generational breakfast, whether it's do, um we have partnered with Georgia Tech to do the, George, the Jacket, Jacket reading program. And so we want to infiltrate at three different levels. You know, it's, again, the in-venue, it's the community, and then it's the digital space. And within the digital space, when you look at not only what we do as the Atlanta Dream and our platform in marketing, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter, you know, we have all that. But then our players also have all that, and so the marketing then again kind of grows exponentially versus just one venue. And I think that as you look at what um, you know, if you compare us, the WNBA has been in existence for 20 years, the Dream for nine and the NBA for 70, right? is the sense of what we've done, what the dream has done in nine years. If you compare us, you would compare us to like the Beltline. Okay. So the Beltline started in 2003 or 2008. What you've seen in the last... For listeners
0: outside of Atlanta, that's this big, wonderful trail that everybody's totally in love with in Atlanta. Right.
1: So, but that has grown tremendously from a marketing standpoint, but it's really an economic development deal. Right, And so for us, it's the same deal from a marketing stretch of how do you get that reach. Um, and then it's a bigger platform because from a business standpoint, a couple of the biggest vendors for the, for the WNBA are currently Adidas, Verizon, going to be Nike. And so from a corporate standpoint is how do you use that reach to inspire and then to influence business? And, you know, and then when you look at how do the number of people we employ in the summertime and how that impacts Atlanta is just another dynamic of the business side of it.
0: I wonder about your perspective, slightly different than the competitive advantage, but related is um, it feels like adoption is slow for women's sports relative to to men's sports. Like, you know, just, you know, the amount of money that's made and the TV and the press and everything. It's like it's such a hard thing. Women just reconnect to get our due. And I'm wondering what you th- whether or not that's just a perception because when you bring up the age that the fact that the NBA has been around for 61 years longer than you have is the adoption really slow or is that just a perception because women's sports in general are just younger.
1: Yeah, I think it is more of a Perception. I mean, Title IX went into effect in 1972, right? And so, and as you look at what social media and what you look at what TV has done, the opportunity for the WNBA to grow is far more significant. When you look at what's going on with USA soccer and how they compare and say equal play, right, for equal pay, is that those are really relevant topics right now. And so, I think there's also a market that we're tapping into and that we need, and really to be successful, is we need the male consumer. And, you know, a lot of people have focused on the female consumer, but guys consume sports a lot, right? And while women's sports, women are consuming at 50%, they really have grown. More women are going to go to male sporting events, not necessarily to watch the sport. But to watch the guy. Correct. (laughs) You know, and so now we have to trigger something else in order to grow that. Is it saying that there's not a need for it? You know, I I said this a couple of times in different presentations I've done is that we have the same issue that we had when I played is that people are saying there's not an interest in girls sports. And I would tell you that there is. I mean, you can see the demographic. The issue is that girls, you know, at certain ages have different interests. So you have to find who the consumer, the best consumer is for your sport. And whether it's, you know, when you say the dream, the consumer is that's true of any company is you have to find what the consumer is and how to trigger them.
0: So as you think about your plan going forward, what are your, um, thoughts about growing and continued to penetrate your niche your continued um Strategy for growth.
1: Sure. And so we have a couple of our, you know, for our corporate partners that have really been with us for a while. I mean, they are landmarks of Atlanta, right? And so you got Coca Cola, you got Grady, those are landmarks. Um, and then we're infiltrating kind of the younger demographic. And so we're working with some other companies that will focus on the youth because we want to grow a younger fan. Um, and again, as from a marketing standpoint, as anybody that owns a company, is you want to know who your consumer is going to be. And we want to develop that young fan, but we also want to grow the older fan. And, and then we want to touch into the millennials because I believe, and the data shows it, what sports do for women and women in business. And if we can and you focus on, and, and specifically in Atlanta and being the dream, is if we could tie that back to what Martin Luther King Jr. did, right, and say how the influence can have, we can impact diversity and inclusion because of the reach. And so it's a multi-layered approach is that we don't want to just focus on one demographic, We want to build a lifelong fan, but we don't want to ignore the fans that have been very dedicated to our consumer. You know, and so I think it's important, again, for any core business is that you have to know what your core is, but then when you will go to diversify your products, you have to know who you're diversifying to. And for us, as we look at our games, we have a handful of games on Saturdays and Sundays. Those are going to be focused on families and and kids. Then we have Friday night games. We have four. Those are going to be focused on millennials because we want to grow that niche. And then the weekday games, we have two kids' day games because we really want to show how kids can get entertained. And if we can get to the kids, kids don't know what they don't know, right? So they're going to support it regardless. So if you can teach them at a young age, boy or girl, it doesn't matter who you're watching. Go and support because it's a great product, not because it's a boy or a
0: girl, but because it's a great product and they're athletic and they're entertaining. Mm, great. Just want to go back to something you had mentioned. What is the um, Atlanta Dream Fund? Funds. Funds? Yeah. As far as revenue funds? Yeah. So you ticket sales. So ticket sales are one source of revenue. The funds are, and then corporate sponsorships are, are, what's the fund?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the three areas that I mentioned were ticket sales, corporate partners, and then the WNBA money. Our revenues have been at about $4.5 million, and our expenses have been at about 6 to $6.5 million. And so that's something that when you look at closing that gap. You know, and I tell people this, we're a small business that we're treating that has massive reach from a marketing platform. So we're approaching this like entrepreneurs, right? And so that we've got to figure out what we can do in a short time. Um, this past year, I saved 10% in our, in our budget. Hmm. That's a huge gap in yeah. a short time in seven months. Congratulations, Thank you. But those are things that, again, from a business standpoint, is that you have to recognize who your competitors are. And then you also have to
0: understand where your growth opportunities are. As a reference point, how much you know how much the Atlanta Falcons make? I don't. Oh, great. Well, thank you very much for um for sharing with us your thoughts on competition. I, I want to just turn the conversation a little bit. And um, for those of you listening, we're talking to um the president of the Atlanta Dream, uh, which is Atlanta's only professional female sports team in the city. Um, that's Teresa Wenzel and uh, Keeley um of Burnt Orange Ballers. So, team, right? We normally on the show, spend the second half or second segment talking about teams. And I can't think of two better people in the world to talk to about teams than people who are in the world of professional sports. So what is your best business leadership team advice for CEOs who are listening to the show?
1: You know, I think from a leadership standpoint is that y- you have to learn how to inspire. And in, in order to inspire, you have to know what triggers people and you have to know what people are about, right? And so I think a lot of people think it's about what you know. And I would tell you that people don't care how much you know until you know how much you care. And from our standpoint is that one of the things that I did when I, I got on board was to sit down with each of the employees. Now, at the Dream, I can do that because there's less than there was about 30, 35 employees. But if you know what motivates somebody, you can know how to inspire them. And then I think it's also important to understand the landscape. And that's something that having come from the collegiate space to the pro space, while it's still sports, there's a different landscape there. And I think for a leader is that you can't just come in and say, you're going to do it this way, is that I think it's important to learn the landscape, learn what motivates people and then learn how to inspire them so that you can get to the outcome that you want, but also share the revenue and to share the budgets. Because I think that's something that's another very important aspect is that if people understand why they're doing something, they're more likely to get on your page and to go with you in that journey. That doesn't mean that they're always going to agree with you, but you can, you can if you share the information and you're transparent, I think they're more likely to buy into what you're doing.
0: Hmm. So a couple questions, and then I also want to give uh, Keely an opportunity to weigh in as well. Transparency comes up a lot on the show. You know, a lot of CEOs mention transparency, and I think it's important to kind of Kind of pull that apart because these are in some cases very big abstract concepts. So you said share the numbers, but what are some other or your like, what does transparency look like for you on a daily basis? Well, I mean, one is the
1: reality of the budget. Right. And so, and the idea of when I first got onboarded, I don't know that the staff understood where the revenue sources were coming from. And that while we do things in the community, we want to influence the community. The things that we do should also get tied back into ticket sales and or corporate partners. And people in the community need to understand why the, why the dream is important, not because it's just a, a WNBA team, but why it is important to Atlanta. That's one aspect as far as the numbers. The other is the dynamic of why we are a pro team. We're different than the other male teams within the city of Atlanta. We're different than Falcons. We're different than the Hawks. You know, we have 17 games. We seat, the seating capacity is less than 10,000. When you look at a Falcons, they have up to 70,000 seats. While they only have probably 10 games, their numbers are different. So our ability and the data Um, I think the other part is, how does the data impact decision-making? And for any CEO, they have to look at the numbers to understand what direction you need to go. You can guess at a lot of things. I mean, when you look at multivariable testing and what you want to do, you can invest in a lot of dollars in guessing, or you can look at your data and say, what are your trends and your patterns telling you? And because a lot of my staff was relatively young, they hadn't learned that yet. You know, I mean, think about when all of you came out of school when you were 22 to 25, 26, Your knowledge, your skill set is different because you haven't learned it yet. So I think part of that is the teaching game of what are the numbers telling you so that you can make an educated decision versus trying to guess at what your consumer wants. Mm. So it's constant. To me, it's a constant education, but it all ties back to the numbers because while you're transparent, what are you being transparent about? And what we're being transparent about are what are the numbers and what are the goals of the organization? Because the numbers then need to tie into the goals. Mm.
0: So the other thing I want you to unpack for us a little bit is, you mentioned this thing about inspiring, pardon me, and motivating people. What does that look like in real life? So, you know, it's great to say, let's be inspired. But like, how do you understand how, what, what, what motivates your people and then use that to generate inspiration?
1: Right. So I basically have a couple different pockets of people I'm trying to do that with. One is the staff, my staff. Two is the team. Um, and the coaching staff. And while they're tied together is that they're kind of a different pocket. Mm-hmm. Then you have the fans of it of the Atlanta Dream that actually physically come to the game. And then you have the community and the corporate partners that were trying to get to the game. So in each of those, um, as I said, the first thing that I did was sat down with my staff to understand what motivated each of them individually and what their goals were. Um, from a player standpoint, I actually did that with most of the players as well, because while they're really focused on playing basketball, the the average lifespan of a WNBA player is probably less than five years. So I want to be able to help them not only help us in winning a championship and and filling the arena, but to also understand how their reach, their marketing platform can then bring us back to the fans and to the experience of the corporate partners and the community. So if I can do the first two and motivate or inspire them to get motivated, then I can do a better job of getting people to the seats and to inspire the community. So there's actually, to me, four buckets that I have to focus on. Um, but it really comes back to understanding what they want. You know, and so the first two are actually easier than the next two, because the next two being the fans that sit in the seats, that's going to range in age from five years old
0: to 95.
1: And, right. So they're going to have different needs because of different age groups. And that's true of any you know customer set is you have to look at the demographics. And then for the corporate partners is to understand why do they want to invest in the dream? And from a community standpoint, who do we want to impact in the community that ties into our four pillars so that we can bring it all together, which will ultimately lead to an amazing, entertaining environment? You know, and whether that's at Phillips Arena or McCamish Pavilion is that the space shouldn't matter, but the product is going to be the same. And then for the corporate partners is for them to walk away and say, you know what, that was a great investment on our part. And whether it's the, the purchaser that you know, that buys the ticket or the corporate partner is, you know what, I love being part of that. I don't want somebody to walk away from a dream game and say, oh, I'm sorry, I invested my money there. You know, and, and for us, those are the things that we need to figure out. And the first two, I think I have kind of figured out the third and fourth. We're still working on the diehard, our, our faithful corporate partners. I appreciate all that they've done. Now we want to build that because we feel like we have a great product that is really going to impact the city of Atlanta to start. But we're also the only WNBA team within the seven state radius. So we have to start here in Atlanta. This is our pilot. And then we want to reach out and touch Tennessee and South Carolina and Alabama and get all those other in Florida and pull them in because we have a huge reach mm-hmm. and we haven't even tapped into that.
0: And what about you, Keeley? what's your What's your best advice? You know, you've led teams and you've been on teams. So, for CEOs listening, what are your key tips for building a great team?
2: Uh, I was a, I was a first team all American volleyball player, and then I coached in college at San Diego State for five years. And I would say, giving direction, like she said about inspiring, which I thought was spot on. So, figuring out how people are inspired, how what motivates them. And then it's important as a coach or CEO. I've never been a CEO. I've just been in the sporting realm. But understanding this is the goal. This is the direction we're going. This is what I I want you to do. And how can I help you get there? I think it's important as a coach that you know that your players know that you're willing to help them get to wherever you got to go. And that it's not about you. I think that is so huge in the coaching that it's not about you and oh, you're doing this because you want, I want to look good, but this the coach is really doing it for the players because they want to see their success. And Teresa talks about these um basketball players in five years they're done, so after that, how are they developing as people? That's when you can have exponential fruit into your labor, like you develop a person and that just expands out. So, as for a coach, I think I'm developing a player. She's going to she's going to eventually be a coach and then have an influence over many people. How can I develop her as a person
0: and as a player to like expand the reach that you actually have as a coach. Mm -hmm. So is this thing about um, getting to the source of people's motivation just as straightforward as asking them? I mean, is it just that simple? Because I I imagine, at least in my experience, sometimes people don't necessarily even know what's really motivating them.
1: No, and so, you know, I I referenced sitting down with my staff and asking them, um, you know, and again, when I was 20 to 26 or 28, my goals are probably different than now at 47, right? And and I'm far more self-aware. And so I think part of that journey is not only asking them, because some of them have never been asked. Right. You know, and so you have to start with, do you know what you want? Um, And if they don't, then you start asking other questions to see how can you help motivate them and become, that for them to become self-aware. Because quite frankly, when I started asking that, there were some that then recognized, I'm not quite sure why I'm working here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so from that... That's
0: a good thing for you to know. Right. But, you know,
1: and it's not a bad thing sometimes when a, a a CEO or a supervisor says, "There comes a time when you outgrow a job, right? And then it doesn't have to be a bad transition. That can be a good transition. But if there are things that you want to achieve, then we also need to be real on what your skill set is and how can I help you develop your skill set so that you can advance your career? And I think that that's some of what I've done." But I think that it's not, no, it's not just about asking that. It's helping them to understand, do they have the skill set? And if they don't, can do we have the resources to help them develop that skill set? Or do they need to find another company to work for in order to develop that skill set? So I, I think there's kind of a multi-layered. And then I would say, again, it depends on, are you in your 20s? Are you in your 30s? Or are you in your 40s? Because there, we should have different expectations of the workforce at different times of their lives.
0: Mm, great. Well, as we look to close out the show, I would love to hear about anything new and exciting that's happening um, with your organizations that you would love to share with the CEOs that are listening to the show. So, Keely, I'll let you take that one.
2: Well, in addition to Burn Orange Ballers, as we expand on that, and I do, this summer, I plan on starting the volleyball club and expanding out into really the city of Atlanta and and grabbing athletes and really training them. I can't wait to do that. Starting a little bit right now with um, just the kids that I train, that's going to expand out. And I, I look just to really go at and change girls' lives and give them... Because in, in volleyball, they have 12 full scholarships at the D- Division One level. Wow! But a lot of these athletes walking around don't afford, can't afford good training. So I look to expand on that. And then in addition to that, I do a lot of public speaking and speaking engagements around the nation. So just teaching about leadership and confidence and that's just continuing on. And I just love any any time I get to speak about that. And for the dream, we're celebrating our 10th
1: anniversary this year. So you're going to see us rolling a lot, a lot out come January and then being tied with different community partners within Atlanta that have the same mission and vision that we do so that we can have a greater reach um, and really celebrate what the Atlanta dream means to the city of Atlanta mm. while building the businesses and getting the exposure we need in to make it a sustainable, profitable
0: business. Wonderful. Well, thank you, ladies, for being on the show. Um, today, we've had Teresa Wenzel, president of the Atlanta Dream, and Keely Evelyn of Burnt Orange Ballers with us, talking a little bit about competition and then also leadership, talking about transparency and um, and also motivating and inspiring your people. So on today, sh- on Thursday, you'll be able to check out a blog where we'll summarize some of those key takeaways. And you can um, find that blog at ceoexclusiveradio.com. I'm Sonya Koch, and until next week, have a very prosperous, productive, and profitable week. Thanks. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.